Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Don't you dare be louder at home during that game than you are in here in the house of God. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Pastor Donald. Um, Yes, I did do a wardrobe change. Um, some of you guys might be looking like, okay, what's, what, what is he wearing, man? Is he, you got boys in the hood, you got... Look, let me, let me, let me explain something to you. I, I always do stuff strategically. I do stuff to spark conversation, right? I do things because, like, the Lord puts... I'm, half the time I do stuff, the, the Lord is like, you know, he tells me to do it, and I'm like, uh, should I really... He's like, all right, all right, Lord, I'm going to do it. So, yeah, if you look at this shirt, a friend of mine, he, he, started, he started a shirt company last year, and he made this design. I was like, dude, I got to get that shirt, man. I need you to, I need you to make, make that shirt for me. Reason being is because, like, I don't know any of you guys realize that God has a sense of humor. Do you guys, I mean, some of you guys might not. Maybe you think that, that, that it's all, it's just like all like serious doom and gloom, everything somber when it comes to God, but no, God has a sense of humor. And if you don't believe that he has a sense of humor, you can look at me and see that he has a sense of humor. I'm not saying that I look funny, but what I'm saying is, is that for him to take a young man who was virtually fatherless and and to bless him to be able to be faithfully married, the husband of one wife, the father of four children, not just four children, but four children that serve the Lord and know the Lord, right? That, that's a sense of humor. That like, my, I don't know about you, what your Bible says, but my Bible says that God takes the foolish things of the world. He takes the foolish, weak, and despised things of the world to, 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 to confound the wise. So if you don't know, God has a sense of humor. And I wear this shirt because, for one, it, it, it sparks controversy, the fact that I wear something like this in church. And it's like, man, what are, you, what, are you, what are you trying to say? What's the message you're trying to say? What I'm trying to show you is that everybody that's on this shirt, if you guys are familiar with the movies, this is what the world and society told me I was supposed to be. There's 10 people, 10 characters that are on this, on this shirt that I'm wearing, and only three of them survived in the stories out of the 10. And in real life, the statistics are a lot less. And so I believe that God has a sense of humor for the fact that when, when I, was, I was virtually written a death sentence from the time that I was conceived and all of the things that were stacked up against me that God saw fit to, to show the world and allow me to be put on display for his glory 
that I have the last say and I have the final, I, I, I have the story written from the beginning. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the world tries to, 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 to put on you, I have a plan that's perfect for you. So, as we get into today's message, today's message is, is real simple. It's, go, it's, it's called Stay Lit. Stay Lit. You know, we're coming out of, of, of 2020, uh, 2020 notorious for the pandemic. So I just kind of want to give you guys a little bit. We, we've been hearing this word thrown around a lot, and I just want to give you guys some insight and understanding as to what this really means, okay? So a pandemic is an epidemic that is geographically widespread occurring throughout a region or even throughout the world. As an adjective, the word means uh, an epidemic over a wide geographical area, a pandemic outbreak such as uh, malaria or fear of that of like a nuclear war. So like basically... When you look at 2020, 2020 is just basically defined by fear, right? And I, and I think it's, it's, it's humorous to me. It shows God's sense of humor when you look at the fact that here it is, this kid who was supposed to be a statistic, I never in a million years would have thought I would have been a pastor of any sort, yet I helped to pastor a body of believers through a pandemic. I, I, I was able to, to be able to uh, maintain a, a, a godly witness. I was able to maintain a fidelity in my marriage. I was able to maintain uh, an example unto my children on how to live a life of godliness. I was even able to disciple a handful of men during the last during last year, all through a pandemic. But what I want you also to see is that there's another word that's closely related to pandemic, and that word is usually the 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 fruit of what a pandemic uh, springs forth, and that word is pandemonium. Now, now let me know if you guys witnessed any of this last year and maybe even spilled over into this year. But pandemonium is chaos. Bedlam, topsy-turvydom, topsy-turviness, a state of extreme confusion and disorder. So there's a, the, the, 2020 has brought about a huge question for the church. A huge question for the church is, what does the church of the future look like? Because as you can see, like, if anything 2020 did for the church, it exposed our weaknesses. It exposed our weaknesses. There were so many of us, I'm not talking about any of you guys in here, but, but there were so many of us who we associated in our mind and our hearts that the church was a building. And so when the government went and took the building from us, life fell apart. And so what ends up happening is, is that churches who associated the church with the building were typically churches who weren't big on discipleship. Were typically churches who weren't big on relationship. 
churches that were in communities but weren't for communities. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to toot our horn here at the Building Christian Fellowship. I'm just saying that, that this is what's happened to the church. Now, mind you, some, some, some of our, our uh, brethren and sisters who uh, fell into that category that I described, they were able to, to, to pivot early on and make some adjustments. And they're doing well. But overall, the face, so to speak, of the church has changed. And so the question is, what does the church of the future look like? We went from meeting physically in buildings to where we were broadcasting over the internet and we're doing Zoom calls and we're doing these meetings and, and we got use. We almost got conditioned and programmed to seeing heads in boxes, yeah. right? And I'm like, almost like to the point where like, I, I, I don't even want to hear anybody say a word that starts with Z. And so the big question is like, what, what, is the, what does the future of the church look like? Now, I'm going to let you guys know that I found the answer to what the future of the church looks like. Um, and, and I hope you're not surprised by it. But it's the same as it was in the past when God first communicated his intent and his heart concerning the church. And that is to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some. I don't know if you guys understand that there's a day that's approaching. There's a day that's approaching and we're supposed to provoke each other under good works, provoke each other under righteousness. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? All these things just because we, we're, we're living in circumstances and conditions that we've never experienced before. You got people that are rising up and they like get these new revelations and these new understandings and these prophetic words and stuff that, that they, and, and, and it's like, they, they, no, there's a, there's a new, there's, there's a shifting and a change, like as if it's going to shift and change the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but, it, but there, there's no changing. He is the father of light and in him there is no darkness or shadow of turning. Are we following this? And if you didn't know, the message is called Stay Lit, okay? So there's a difference between being woke and being awake. So, so I, 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 I don't want to, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I mean to be offensive. Not offensive, but offensive, right? Offense is not given, it's always taken. So if you take offense... Just, just rest in this truth that the, the, the smallest pot is the first to get hot. Okay? So, listen. I need you guys to turn with me to the book of 1 John. 1 John, and we're going to start with chapter 2. We have John the Beloved who is writing his letter to the church the church is in Asia Minor, right? They're out there. They're in Asia. He's ministering to the church through his letters, and they're out in Asia. And I don't know about y'all, but, but like, not to minimize the pandemic or COVID or whatever, whatever you know, you want to refer to it as, not to minimize it. We know that it's real, right? And, and for some of us, 
it challenged us in such a way to find out whether Jesus is real, right? But, but just keeping it real, like, what is, what is, what is COVID-19? What is this thing that we're dealing with? It's a, it's a disease. And disease is not anything new to God, right? Like, we read all through scriptures and that he went about healing all manner of diseases, right? He went about healing and, and giving sight to the blind and making people who, who, who would never walk, making their legs and stuff and their limbs straighten. It's like, nothing is, 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 is there anything too hard for God, right? And so we have, we have John here, and he's, he's addressing some things that are going on with the church in Asia, and he's just, he's, he's just writing this letter to encourage them. And I feel like today, I think that's what God wants to do through this message is to encourage his body of believers, like to encourage you to be encouraged and discourage you from being discouraged, okay? And so John writes this. He says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. What is that saying? It's saying that we cannot claim to abide in him unless we can show that we can behave like him. Did you hear that? We cannot claim to abide in him unless we behave like him. So I, I said there's a difference between being woke and being awake. Like I literally tried to look up the, the, the definition of woke and it wasn't even in the dictionary. Right? Like woke is a past tense of being awake. Like I woke up from a dream or I woke up. Right? But being awake is like action. Like we, got, we serve a God that's about action. Like being awake. Like when, when people refer to being woke, it's like, the, oh, I was, I was asleep or I was dumb in this thing, and then I, I woke up to something. Like, I, I woke up to a problem, right? When you look at scripture a lot, that, like, that's what the term woke up usually is like somebody woke up and there was a problem. But when, when the, the command in the word tells us to awake or awaken, it's usually to something good. Awaken unto righteousness, right? We're waking up to something. Or I lie awake and I'm thinking on your precepts and your laws and your promises. They keep me awake. Why? Because they're so good. Like your promises are yes and amen. So I stay up lying, lying awake because I'm thinking and meditating on this. So there's a difference between being woke and being awake. And like woke is like the new thing now. Like everybody wants to be woke. And it's so much so that it's like crept into the church. Like, like we're, we're woke Christians now. Woke Christians are like snipers with scopes missing. 
can't see what they aiming at, but sit in church and don't know what they aiming at. I know y'all didn't know I was a lyricist, but I am. Y'all hear that on a record pretty soon. But we got to be awake, man. We have to be awake. We have to be sober and vigilant. And so, in staying lit, we, it brings about a word to mind. Like, woke people pride themselves on being enlightened, right? They pride themselves on being enlightened. Like, they have this new knowledge or this new revelation of something. And, and, and really, all it is is that you just now realize that there's a problem. You just realize that there's a problem. And notice that there's no solution to that problem that you, you're woke to, right? But people that are awake because they meditate on the promises, they meditate on his laws, they meditate on his precepts, they meditate on the word of God, they're not enlightened, they're illuminated. And so illumination, let me give you guys the definition of illumination. Illumination is a condition of spiritual awareness, Divine illumination, as in I follow God's light. This is from a dictionary, a secular dictionary. Illumination, in its second definition, is the degree of visibility of your environment. Third definition is that it is clarification. An interpretation that removes obstacles so that there can be understanding. So can you see the difference in being woke and being awake? Can you see the difference in just merely being enlightened and actually being illuminated? And so here it is. John continues on, and he says in verse 7, he says, Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. It's an oldie but goodie. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Verse 9, if anyone claims... I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Wow. He's talking about believers hating believers. I don't think I've seen so much as I did last year. Woke Christians against people that are just Christians. I mean, like, there's like all kinds of feuding and fighting in the church. Like, as if it ain't enough that we got people that, that are secular that don't, that don't believe and they, they hating on us, but now we got to start hating on each other, Right? And, and we just read that he says, if you're, if you're a believer and you hate another believer, then you walk in darkness. Not only do you walk in darkness, but you cause others to stumble. Let alone, like, one of the things that, that irks me as a parent is when my children fight. Yeah. 
Nothing more irritating like, I will pull this car over. And so here it is, we have the body of believers that, that, that John is, is telling them, look, man, you guys got to stop hating. Stop hating on each other. Stop majoring on the minors. What, what, like, like, did you forget that, that we all believe in the same Lord, that there's one Lord, there's one church, one spirit? Like, do, do, you, do, you, not, do you not know this? Are you, are you, did you miss out on this? Like, you guys seem like you're letting other stuff creep inside and it's causing division. And so what we have to understand is that hate is the absence of the deeds of love. Hate is the absence of the deeds of love. Love unexpressed is not love at all. Love has no neutral capabilities. What do you mean? I mean, when it is absent, hate is present. To fail to show love is to demonstrate hate. To fail to show love is to demonstrate hate. So love is not, it, it, there's no neutral attributes about it. You're either in love or you're not. And so what we have to understand is that in order to cultivate, like, like really understanding how to walk in love with one another starts with the fact of us coming to the realization and the truth that we are all image bearers of God that we all are image bearers of God. We are made in God's image. The cross and empty tomb demonstrate how valuable that image is. In short, everything proves the gospel and the gospel proves everything. You guys following? Ain't seen so much hate in the church as I have last year in all my years. And I've grown up in church. I've been in church my whole life. And in 41 years of being in church, I've never seen so much hate as I have in this last year. And all it took was a pandemic. It's ruined relationships. Like, I mean, people like just straight, straight blow ups and blowouts. Right? Not like the, like it ushered in like the cancel culture, like everything is canceled. Right? Hate, hate, hate. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the hater, the, the player haters ball. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what it was. Right? <laughs> just, it just ushered in an era, era of hate, which is, which is like just a horrible blemish. And I praise God that, that Jesus ain't coming back yet, man, because he wants his bride to be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And that was a huge blemish. It's a huge blemish, man. And that's what happens when... <laughs> that's what happens when... How do I say this? <laughs> that's what happens when you don't stay faithful to the one that you're supposed to be with. And you go out there playing and find out he's a pimp and he smack you in the eye and now you got the... Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know any other way to put that. But again, the thing is, is that, that God's so gracious and rich in mercy. Like it said that we have one mediator, that's Jesus. That's what John said 
to them. He says, we have one mediator. He says that if you do sin, he didn't say that you're going to be perfect and sinless. That's why I tell people I'm not sinless. I just sin less, right? So, so the thing is, is that he's telling them that we have a mediator who is Jesus Christ. There's another scripture, I believe, that tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, that he's interceding on our behalf. And I know that we, we ran Jesus through the prayer closet last year as the church, man. Like, he was... Because <laughs> what, what is he praying? What is he interceding? He's interceding that we would just... That we would tap into the grace that he has given us, that he's provided for, that we would tap into the grace. Not the grace that's there for our mess-ups, but that they would tap into the grace that empowers them to do the will of the Father. That would empower them to overlook one another's faults and be one as you and I are one. Unity. Yeah. Listen. John is saying that the hater's sin affects him in three ways. It places him in darkness outside God's fellowship. It leads to aimless activity in which he is in great spiritual danger and in which there is the possibility of a great fall. It also results in mental confusion. Didn't we just read that about pandemonium? The Christian who hates his brother loses his sense of spiritual direction in life partially or totally. No course of life is more dangerous for a Christian than one that includes hatred toward another believer. Whoever loves his brother remains in the light, and being in the light, he can both see where he is going and therefore avoid yielding constantly to temptation. And also as a result, Avoid causing others to fall. Are you guys following that? I don't know any of you guys that have ever made like a pact, like we, gonna, we all going to work out or we all going to lose weight together or whatever. And like as soon as somebody breaks the diet, everybody breaking the diet. Yes, you, the one who ate that cupcake, caused your brothers and sisters to stumble. Yes. You was hating on our progress and you ate what you shouldn't have ate. And you caused others to stumble. And that's what he's saying. He's saying like, like us getting caught up and hating on one another, that we, we're, we're walking around in darkness, that we're spiritually clouded in our mind. And not only do we cause ourselves to sin because we're not focused on the righteousness, we're, 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 we're woke and focused on the problem, but not awake and focused on the righteousness of God, that we end up dwelling on the problem till it's magnified, till it becomes our idol, till we actually participate in it. And not only do we end up in sin, but we can cause others to sin. So John is trying to drive this, this, this point home to the believers, letting them know, look, you guys have to stop hating on one another. Fix your focus. I need you to stay lit. Verse 12, it says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. 
I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. Verse 14, I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God, will live forever. It's important for us to not get caught up in the temporal things. Like, we, w- the way we went at each other's throats about who was going to spend the next four years in office, and that's four years, temporary. That's a high school career, right? Some of y'all was five years. Four, four years is a high school career. Hey, man, some of y'all, some, some of y'all, they had to burn down the school so you get out the 10th grade. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, but we have, to, we have to realize that the things that we see, all this stuff that we, we think is so urgent. Do you realize, look, man, it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day what bills get passed or not. I mean, unless you're living according to the world system. Because the last time I checked, I mean, we were only ambassadors here. Like, this ain't even really where we from. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not really from here, right? This isn't really home. Like, we just kind of taking up a residency here for a minute, and then we're going to be out of here. But, like, unless you plan on, like, kicking up your feet and, and, you know, really, like, putting a stake in the ground and, and, and staying here, like, what bills get passed don't really matter. I mean, do you realize that, look, People are having a fit about the fact that we're in here right now. You know what I'm saying? In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of, of pandemonium and all that stuff that's going on. And here it is. It's like, do you, do you think that, that the, the early church got permits and, and stuff to be able to meet when they, when, I mean, it said that they was meeting in their homes. It said that they, that they, that they met in secret because of the fact that they were being persecuted and if they found out that they were meeting, that they was going to come in and execute. I'm just saying like, this is nothing new. It might be new for us as our circumstance, but it's not new to God. So here it is that we're, we're in the midst of this, and now it's like I said, is, is, is all it did was just really expose the church, where the, where, where's the church strengths and where the church weaknesses. One of the other things that it brought about in questioning the future of the church is that because we had to to pivot in such a way where we like went from, you know, meeting in person to like doing stuff online and, and so on and so forth is that our, our older, our, our elders kind of felt like, like they, they were left out, like, like the rug got pulled out from under them. And um, I remember taking a, a class in school about di- digital citizenship and it was talking about technology, how, you know, basically... I fit in the Gen X generation, 
and right before me are like the baby boomers and so on and so forth. So the baby boomers are like the last generation before technology hit. My generation is like, we, we remember before technology, but we also were there for its inception and its birth. And, and my generation, as we got older, we helped push forth the whole technological move. And then you have the Gen Zers or the millennials who are younger than the Gen Xers that they've lived a life where they haven't known anything other than the digital age. And so you can imagine that for our, our older, our older uh, saints, that it was kind of like a big thing for them. Like it was like they were, they were robbed. And, it, and I'm not talking about folks that thought like the building was the church. I'm talking about the, the fellowshipping, the, 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 the gathering and assembling of ourselves kind of left them, left them out. And then on top of that, not only that, they're being targeted by whatever this thing is that's going on saying that they shouldn't be in contact with anybody. And I think it's like a strategic ploy of the enemy. Like it was just, it was crazy to see the effect that it's had on them. And again, like I said, the answer to what the church looks like is that, that this is not new to God. And that he doesn't want you to live under the cloud of fear that 2020 brought about that is trying to loom and trying to linger. But he wants you to stay lit, that he wants you to, 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 to stay committed to following, following the, the commands and the precepts of the, of the, the scriptures that he wants you to continue to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that you should just put yourself at risk, you know, just, just foolishly, but what I am saying is that to everything, there is a certain level of risk. Yes, sir. To everything, there is a certain level of risk. And the thing is, is that, you know what? I like the way that Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, in the fact of knowing of knowing Christ, that you will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything else but Christ. And that's why John is telling the church, like, not to worry about the, the things of this world. Not to worry about the things of this world. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of what's going on at all. Not at all. Please, please, please understand me. But there was a, there was a young man that uh, I recently knew through, through colleagues at work who was found at his house deceased because of everything that's going on. It took them a long time to find out because there was no connection. There was no community. And so on the flip of that, probably like a couple months ago, there was a man who you know, he was, and it made national news. Like, we don't hear a lot of the news about stuff like that, about this young man I described. How, how the effects of, of what the regulations and, and all of these things that are going on that are based out of fear. How many, I'm sure there's, there's, there's multiples of numbers of other individuals that are like him that unfortunately didn't have a community that, that was there to check on, check on and check in with them and here it goes, months and weeks go by, and this is, this is how they're found. But yet, they sure enough are going to blast over the news that, oh man, this dude got on a plane, and then he died after he got off the plane because he had COVID. And I'm like, man, you know what? It may be weird for me looking at it like this, but I'm like, praise God, he died on his own terms. And not shut up in fear because he was too scared to go anywhere. 
Like, why, like do you think that that was God's will that, he, that you just die alone and isolated? That sounds more like the enemy to me. Like he wants you to be isolated and alone and separated. And I think that that's what's been happening because the more that I've been coming in contact with some of my elders that I haven't seen in such a great time during this whole situation and circumstance that in talking to them, like just a simple conversation of, of, of a couple of minutes with them and interacting with them, I've seen them illuminate. And, and, and they begin to, to, to just share in the conversation that the lies that they had been hearing and rehearsing over their time of isolation and being quarantined and being shut in begin to melt off of them. Because why we're doing the word. We're not forsaking the fellowship. We're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Verse 18, I'm almost done with you guys. Verse 18, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know the last hour has come. These people who left our churches, but they, were never really, they never really belonged with us, otherwise they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between the truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in the fellowship, in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Could you imagine if Jesus came back last year? Could you imagine if Jesus came back last year? Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Verse 29, since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Amen. As I come to a close, I want to I leave you guys with this. In staying lit, we, we, we see that John has spoken to the church. And he's saying, look, man, it's important that you guys stop hating on each other. Stop hating on each other. Stop the, the, the backbiting, 
the, the arguing, all that stuff. Stop all of it. Why is that so important? He's like, because you, you guys are, are image bearers. You're bearers of the image of God. You were created in his image. Don't, I don't want you to stumble in darkness. You need to stay illuminated. As long as you keep being woke and being enlightened, you're only going to focus on the problem that's going on. You're only going to see everything that's wrong and not see everything that's right with God. Like when we're looking at each other, we can just see everything that's wrong. But if we turn our gaze to the one who, to, to our redeemer, the one who has saved us, then we, then we are enlightened because we behold the light of the world. So I want to leave you with this. Being lit, the L, the L, the L, the L is for love. For my note takers, write this down. The L is for love. Why? Because it's our identifier. What do you mean? Because they'll know us by our love for one another. They'll know us by our love for one another. Not how good we can hate and point out each other's flaws or what we don't agree like. We can sit all day and, and go back and forth. And I told y'all, I think a few months ago, like one, one place that I determined I'm not going to do with you is go back and forth with you. I ain't going back and forth with you. Like, I, like you know, I'm not going to worry about addressing a hater. Because the moment I address a hater, that means I give, them, I give them residency. If I address a hater, address, address a hater, then that means I'm giving them residency. And now I got to live my life in such a way that I'm defending against what their accusations and what it is that they're saying. As opposed to if I just let the word speak for itself address a hater with the word, then they can live in the word and they can live in either the truth of the word or they can live in the judgment. So love, we have to be in love. We got to keep our love on. We have to determine in our hearts and be intentional about loving our brothers and sisters, loving one another, regardless of the fact that we may disagree. As long as it's not on an essential it ain't, it ain't, it's water on the bridge. It doesn't even matter. It's trivial. The eye is illumination. If you didn't get that illumination, we don't want to be enlightened. We don't want to just merely uh, be woke to a, a situation. We want to be illuminated. Remember, one of the definitions of illumination was to be able to, to, to see, have enough light to see that you can navigate through your, your environment. We live in a dark world. We live in a fallen world. Everybody wants to talk about how these times are unprecedented and that there's great darkness and there's the unknown. But one of your greatest tools in traveling in terrain that's not familiar to you is having light. And we have the light. The light that the darkness could not ever overcome. And the only way that we can do that is by abiding in his word. We, we maintain our, our, our state of illumination by abiding in his word. Why? Because his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we want to maintain our state of illumination. And lastly, 
is truth. Why? Why? Why is the truth so important? Because in an age, we literally live in an age that society is deemed the post-truth age, basically. Meaning, like, that's why you hear the terms of, like, my truth and your truth. And, it's, and, and people think that truth is subjective, and re in reality, truth is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ, right? When, when you, so when you go out and you begin to preach, whether it's in words or in life, in your actions, that you don't have to worry about whether they're going to agree with you or not. You don't have a version of the truth. You don't have something that's unfounded. You have the truth. If you have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. You have the truth. And so therefore, they, they can either accept it or they can reject it. Why? Because we're not anybody's judge. And nor was Jesus when he came. He said, I didn't come for judgment. I came for salvation. Now when he comes again, he will come as our righteous judge. But when he came, he just presented what it was that the, that the father told him to state. And the people judged and condemned themselves by not believing it. And it is the same with us. We only speak what the father tells us to speak. And we can't speak what it is that he tells us to speak if we don't stay in the word. And the word is truth. And the reason why we need to stay in the truth is because the truth is what makes us free. The truth is what makes us free. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So it doesn't matter what the regulations that they pass, the, the laws that they pass, it doesn't matter about that because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And if we walk in love, there is no law against it. Amen? Amen. Give God some praise if you got something out of this message. Stay lit. That we love one another on purpose, that we maintain our illumination, and that we walk and stay rooted in the truth. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Lord, you are worthy. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for speaking and meeting us right where we are. Lord, I pray over everyone under the sound of my voice, Father, that you would just continue to reveal yourself to them in a greater way, Lord, and that they would be like the man who was blind from birth when you revealed yourself to him, Lord Jesus, that they would respond in worship. Lord, that we would respond in worship, that we would not take for granted your revelation. Lord, that we would not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, Lord, but that we would continue to provo provoke one another unto good works, that we would provoke one another unto righteousness, Lord. Lord, just like as, as, as lifters in the gym or, or teammates, Lord, would, would provoke the, the, uh, a better performance, Lord, uh, uh, of their teammate to outdo themselves 
Lord, that we would be like that with one another concerning righteousness. Lord, that we would, that we would provoke each other to go deeper in the word, to go deeper into our commitment with you, Lord, to go deeper into doing good works, into, into the depths of giving you glory. Father, we thank you for our sphere of influence, Lord. We pray that we would stay lit in such a way, Lord, that, that they would be drawn to the light, Lord, that we would literally be walking beacons of hope to those who are in darkness and despair. Father, that we would be able to have your words in our mouth ready, Lord, that our tongue would be as the pen of a ready writer, that we would be able to speak life into every situation, Lord, that we would not rehearse what the problem is, Lord, but that we would, we would be like the psalmist said, that we would stay awake, meditating on your promises, meditating on your precepts, meditating on your instruction and your directions, Lord, that we might uh, be strategic and intentional in following and carrying them out. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your strength. Lord, we love you. We bless your name. And we pray this in the mighty, magnificent name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.